0: What is going on, guys? Hope you're having a good start to the weekend. Kicking it off with another NBA slate. It is the NBA Strategy Show. I'm here joined with Adam, sponsored by Yahoo. Today, if you guys have not signed up for Yahoo, you could do it using the link in the description box below. Head on over to Yahoo, make a deposit, enter a contest, get yourself one free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. Now, this is a pretty weird part of the NBA season. This is where we really get to the point where lineups unpredictable, injury reports unpredictable. The good news is, Adam and I did come out on the right side of something that him and I both talked about on Twitter. We were trying to get off of Chris Dunn. Once he wasn't starting, we couldn't do it. And then he went out and had a good game sometimes better to be lucky than good, particularly at this point of the season. I I have a question for you, Adam, just kind of overarching strategy. Do you approach this part of the season any differently than you do other parts of the season? Not intentionally,
1: but just, I think my process naturally approaches it differently. And it's something that I've talked about on a couple of shows recently. Like, Yesterday was was an exception because we we ended up not getting any like clear cut top value like you can say Obi topping but even that you know had its uh, downsides but on most slates like you're going to get a lot more slates that are reminiscent of Thursday than yesterday at this point of the year and so the difference I think in roster construction or my my approach is that a lot of times the value or just the chalky plays become even better than they normally are like in the middle of an NBA season, a lot of times you'll see some like, you know, 8K guy be really popular. And it's mostly just because like he projects a point or two better than everybody around him and people use optimizers a lot. Chalk like that, like it's still good, but it's easier to get away from. This time of year, a lot of times you're going to get slates where the 8K guy is like Drew Holiday without Giannis and he projects, you know, 10 points better than everybody around him. And it's just like, okay, well, yeah, he's going to be really popular, but it's not even like I can make like a really good pivot away or it's Tyus Jones at 4,200 without John Morant. And it's just like, okay, well, there's like kind of no way for this guy to really bust at this price. So why, so I can't really get away from him and I need to do, you know, just find lower owned guys elsewhere in my lineup. So um, I think I approach it a little bit differently just in that I naturally end up playing guys that are owned at levels I earlier in the year wouldn't have played anyone at um, just because it, you get situations where people are so drastically underpriced.
0: I think I'm getting to a, a point where I'm probably going to tone down the amount of volume I play just a little bit. Cause you know, last night I was kind of joking about that you and I did get lucky in terms of not really being able to swap off of, off of Chris Dunn, but at the same time, we're also getting to a point where it's like, Oh look, we're relying on the Blazers to put out a reliable starting lineup. And it comes out like 15 minutes before the game starts. And there are kind of situations like that that are hard to avoid that just don't happen earlier in the season.
1: Yeah, but I think you put it well. I think it was you on a show um, yesterday or maybe. I don't know if it was the injury report. I don't know if it was a show that I'd happened to, for some reason, be watching that you were on. Um, no offense to you, but, uh, <laughs> um, but but I think you said that, um, oh, yeah, it was the other night with Josh when I, I yeah. tuned in to see uh, Josh's amazing Double birds. intro. <laughs> yeah. Um you said that you think that there's still a pretty big edge this time of year just requires work. And I agree with that. Like I don't particularly enjoy uh, having to late swap or figure out what, you know, shitty G leaguers going to perform and it's only going to get worse as the year goes on. But at the same time, people still don't like, one of the bigger edges in the NBA DFS at, you know, in 2022 in general is if you have a decent late swap process and the ability to late swap that becomes even more, uh, even more so the case this time of year. Um, So I do think that there's still money to be made. It's just a matter of balancing out, you know, really how much time you want to commit to it. And not that I think there's a right answer, um, but I, I like, yeah, I don't know. I do think there's still money. It's just different and much more frustrating and annoying.
0: Yeah, and the good news is the last game on the slate today, Portland-Houston in an Island game. So something weird happens with the starting lineups. Nothing to swap to there. And we'll get into talking about the game by game. First, I want to go over These are all of the players that are listed as questionable today. Giannis, SGA, Tyler Hero, Josh Hart. I can't imagine the Blazers really want to play Josh Hart, but he is on the injury report listed as questionable. Gary Trent, Justice Winslow, also Portland. Uh, Goga Patadze, Jalen Smith. And those are, those are the key names. So you guys are going to want to like this video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, check out the deeper dive in Live Before lock because there are a lot of moving pieces here and there's a lot of information that we're just not going to have this early in the morning. We'll do the best we can with the information at hand. And let's start with a game, the Sacramento Kings against the Orlando Magic. Both of these teams not looking to win games at this point in the season. And starting with the Sacramento side, DeMontis Sabonis, it appears he is not going to play the rest of the season. The same goes for De'Aaron Fox, both officially listed as out for today. Kings beat reporters have said that they think that these two are both going to sit out the rest of the season. With that in mind, we've seen some really big games from Davion Mitchell. As of late, his price has gone up. Do you still think it's worthwhile?
1: Yeah, I think six K is still a, a bit underpriced for Mitchell because he's playing a lot of minutes, but also without Sabonis, without obviously without Halliburton, without Fox, Mitchell's got like a twenty four and a half percent usage rate and a mid to upper twenties assist percentage this year as well. He's averaged around a DraftKings points per mi- DraftKings point per minute without those guys on the floor. The matchup against Orlando is fine. And yeah, it's just, I, I still think, you know, th- this is kind of an example of one of the things that you'll see this time of year that makes you uncomfortable. Like you're going to look at a 6K Davion Mitchell price tag and your your initial reaction is just going to be like, oh damn, that's kind of expensive for Mitchell. And then you're going to see that he's really popular. And like your your next reaction is going to be like, oh, well, I'm not paying 6K for a popular Davion Mitchell, but you really have to step back and think about the change in role for somebody like that. And also um, something I mentioned before, I feel comfortable in his minutes too, because he's like the perfect intersection of somebody, the Kings, like that should be getting minutes here. He's the next guy up. If the Kings were still trying to be competitive for whatever reason, but he's also a young player that they want to get NBA minutes and they want to develop. Like there's no reason the Kings should look at Davion Mitchell and be like, Oh yeah, we don't really care about this guy getting, you know, normal game time at this point in the season. So it still, I think, makes him look really, really good. And in general, uh, using the boom-bust tool is really useful this time of year as well because, I mean, it always is, but it just helps you quantify stuff like that. You know, like I think the natural urge is probably to look at somebody like Mitchell and be like, oh, that's too expensive. But we still have him with a 16% chance of being in the optimal lineup. Uh, we do have him projected to go a bit over-owned right now at 32%, but um, 16%, you know, still just a very or a relatively high chance of, of being optimal
0: yeah and i do think he's the main beneficiary davion mitchell with d fox being out uh, super chat here from glenn smith thanks for the help last night needed a good roi much love good for you glenn and congrats on what seems to be a pretty good night that you had last night uh, who's going to benefit the most in the front court from the absence of Demontis savonis we've seen damian jones start some games without him and have some some big fantasy nights he is a pretty good points per minute fantasy producer do you think he continues to be the guy in the front court for Sacramento?
1: I think so. Um, like, if he comes off the bench, then obviously things get a little bit riskier. But even the last time he came off the bench with Sabonis out, he ended up playing like 28 minutes. Last game against Indiana, he started, he played 30 minutes. Jones is around the fantasy point per minute guy, and he's still cheap at 4400 So um, he's another one that I think just looks like a very good value. Right now, we have him projected for 34% ownership, but with a 31% chance of being optimal on DraftKings, uh, just a spot that's going to be pretty difficult to get away from. I think you also get extra minutes for somebody like Shemezi Metu, who played 26 minutes last game, you know, probably plays anywhere between like 20 and 26 minutes on average. Uh, You know, a 22 to 24 minute projection would make sense. Trey Lyles... Could play more, but I mean, he still only played 22 minutes last game. I would say you don't want to play Lyles and Matu together because they essentially split 48 minutes. So that is a spot where, um, like, I, I would set a rule for those guys. And then you just sort of get the potential for extra minutes for guys like Jeremy Lamb or Justin Holiday um, or Dante DiVincenzo. Doesn't have to necessarily be. Any one of them, but like if Jeremy Lamb's playing well, you could certainly get a good game at thirty six hundred. Same goes for Holiday at thirty nine hundred. But I think the priorities here are Mitchell and Jones, and then Metu looks pretty good at four k.
0: You say something, Mike? Mike. Mike. All right, whatever. Is it I, I can I can hear? Can, can the audience hear? Does anybody have any idea what we're referencing? All right, whatever. Anything else to talk about from the Kings here, Adam?
1: No, I think that's it. Uh, um, So I guess one last thing to mention, it's not any sort of a priority, but Harrison Barnes, I think, does end up just going a little bit overlooked because he's not at like a great price tag. And, you know, he's going to be behind Mitchell. He's going to be behind Jones for sure in terms of priority. Uh, But we do have him with a 16% chance of being optimal as well. Uh, He does have a path to success here.
0: All right, we have a super chat here from Daily Sam. Thoughts on Tyrese's recent fantasy struggles. Uh, I assume he means Tyrese Halliburton. Um, we'll, well, I'll have that game next and then we'll talk about, about him. But, you know, in general, I'm, I'm not too concerned about what anybody's done over the last couple of games. Uh, you know, Halliburton's played a really long season. He has taken on a really massive workload and there's a lot of players that are questionable for, for the Indiana Pacers. The bigger point that I have with Halliburton is while well, I'm not concerned about his recent struggles, I'm more concerned about his price point today. 9,800 on DK is a pretty steep price. So he's gotten to a point where I feel like he's kind of at the peak of his, uh, of his salary. Uh, and he, I think this is just kind of a, a good talking point in general, though. At this point in the season, if somebody's been struggling in, in the last few games, is it something that maybe a way more heavily just think that maybe it's fatigue or, or something else going on at this point of the year?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, to kind of reinforce what you had, what you led with there, I still, I don't really have thoughts on his recent struggles because I didn't even know about them. I didn't know they existed. Like <laughs> I, I didn't go back and look at anything. Uh, he did score 52 DraftKings points two games ago, but other than that, you know, hasn't been doing that well, but um, yeah, it's, it's much more so just, he's expensive. And like, like when I approach Halliburton or anybody um, I'm looking at their rates when they're playing under similar conditions, like obviously Brogdon to some extent you would expect to impact Halliburton if he plays. Um, But, and their price tag, you know, it's, it's, I don't have any thoughts on his recent struggles because I just didn't know they exist. And typically they're going to even out.
0: Quickly. Yeah. And once again, we'll be talking about him in the next game. But the bigger the bigger issue is he's, he's just so expensive. And you're starting to get to a point where, you know, depending which stars end up being in or out, you're making a case of like, do I want to play Halliburton or Giannis? Do I want to play Halliburton or or somebody like SGA? So we'll talk about that when we get to the next game a little yeah. bit more in depth. The reason uh, no, I don't
1: the reason that I don't see myself recommending Halliburton today is not because of anything he's done on the floor recently. It's because he is egregiously overpriced.
0: Yeah. And Brogdon's back, which is also an issue in terms of his overall usage and, and playmaking responsibilities. Uh, let's talk about the Orlando Magic side of the game where we still have Jalen Suggs out. Wendell Carter Jr. is also questionable. Considering this game is against the Kings and this is a important game for seating, if if you will, for for ping pong balls. I find it unlikely that Wendell Carter Jr. is going to play. I don't know what your read is on the situation, but if he is out, who do you think benefits the most in the front court?
1: I think it should be Chuma Okiki. Uh, he actually got playing time down the stretch of that last game against OKC as well. Uh, one kind of overarching point, And this, this is to me the most frustrating part of this time of year. It's not guys resting. It's not any of that. It's, trying to guess what teams and games like this are going to do rotation-wise. Like we saw it in the OKC game the other day. It was a double-digit game in the fourth quarter, but it was, like a 12-point game. There's nothing, it was like swaying between like 12 and 15 points. Uh, Orlando goes on a little bit of a run Uh, Cole Anthony like scores a basket gets an assist they immediately sub Iggy Brazdakis in for Cole Anthony and and Brazdakis plays the next six minutes to close out the game over Cole Anthony similarly on the other side of that game OKC just never brings back Terrence Mann never brings back Baisley or Pogoshevsky they close the game basically with their backups Um, so that's something that it's really really difficult to quantify Um, I I think that I, I agree with you it's To me, it's unlikely that Wendell Carter Jr. plays here, but it does even add risk to guys like Cole Anthony when you say, okay, well, are they going to let him play 34 minutes or are they going to just be like, oh, yeah, we don't really want to accidentally win this game.
0: Yeah, and I'm just checking. Okay, somebody said something in the YouTube chat, but uh, just guessing. Carter is Wendell Carter Jr. is not in, if anybody was seeing that in the YouTube chat. Uh, Let's talk about the guys in the backcourt now and – I'm starting to find this to be a situation that I don't really want that much to do with because we've got, even with Jalen Suggs out, there's still Cole Anthony getting minutes, but he's kind of pricey now. RJ Hampton's been in the mix. He remains cheap, but there just has not been fantasy upside in him. And then we've also got Markel Foltz is going to be playing today. Is there anything that you really feel good about when it comes to the backcourt situation? Uh, nothing I feel too
1: good about just because, you know, again, this is a really tough spot to like expect anybody to play a ton of minutes. Right now we don't have anybody projected for more than 10% ownership on DraftKings. We don't have anybody with more than a 10% chance of being in the optimal lineup. So it kind of just looks like a group of guys where you know if you get to them here and there it's fine. Uh, if Carter Jr is out, I do think Okiki at 4800 starts to look better. Uh he played 35 minutes last game. He led the team. Nobody played more than 30 minutes last game except for Okiki. Um Anthony got the 30 minutes jeff dalton got the 30 minutes i don't know who that is um but that's kind of what i was talking about with how the end of that game went uh against okc so it's still just pretty tough for me to like much of anything uh guys do look a little bit better if carter's out though
0: i think the thing i find most surprising that jeff, about jeff Dalton because i just googled him he graduated from college in 2020 he's 24 years old so this isn't even anybody, he turns 25 in a month He's, he's not even like some young prospect or anything. I don't know where the hell this guy came from, but all of a sudden he's playing 30 minutes per game for the Orlando Magic. And the bigger point here is just, it's it's going to be really difficult to predict to predict these Orlando Magic backcourt minutes. Uh, any Anything else that you want to talk about from, from this team?
1: Um, so just to clarify what you were referencing, somebody had said Carter's in. So the DraftKings blurb says, Carter's expected
0: to play Saturday against
1: the Kings. He is off the injury report, but I am looking at the injury report and he's listed <laughs> as questionable.
0: There's... I I make fun of Eric a lot for this on Live Before Lock. It's kind of a, a thing we have going on, but never look at DraftKings or FanDuel for news. It's it's aggregated news and it's just not accurate. It's not good. It's not vetted, and it's it's not something that you should be building any of your lineups off of. They have the green check marks to just randomly give to players who are not starting. There are times where players are uh, in the starting lineup and says they're out and stuff like that. Don't, don't look at DraftKings. Don't look at FanDuel for news. Just follow our awesome NBA Twitter account and NewsGod will have you updated on whatever starting lineups or injuries there are. Don't go to DK or FanDuel. Cause then you'll find out guys like Wendell Carter, and maybe Wendell Carter Jr. plays, but that's just and, not And to be fair, like
1: they do actually in this case, quote a writer from the Orlando Sentinel. So like there's actually a source with it and everything. It's not like the generic, you know, rotor wire copy and paste, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he's. I'm looking
0: at the injury report, so he is He is 100% on it. All right, so we can move on to another game, of course, with players on the injury report, the Indiana Pacers. We have Malcolm Brogdon is off the injury report for now. With that said, the last time Malcolm Brogdon was off the injury report, they ended up ruling him out shortly before the game started. So we are going to need to be updated on that. We just talked a little bit about Tyrese Halliburton and how expensive he's become. The real focus for me has to be in the front court, though. Goga Bitadze questionable, Jalen Smith questionable. If these guys are not able to play because we also have Isaiah Jackson out, we have Chris Duarte out right now, there is a lot of potential playing time to be had in the front court.
1: Yeah, there is. Uh, This team certainly has the potential to be very shorthanded if guys are out. Uh, Batadze at 5,500 I think looks decent one way or the other, but if Jalen Smith is out, it makes him look a little bit better. Um, Terry Taylor at 4,100, I don't really think you can get there if Jalen Smith is in, but if Jalen Smith is out, certainly makes him look better as well. Um, Brogdon, assuming he plays, that takes away Justin Anderson and probably Lance Stevenson if Brogdon were to end up being out or they rest Halliburton or whatever maybe you get a Justin Anderson start but his price tag did come up to 4k as well so um, I think most likely the most interesting spot on this team is going to be the front court uh, whether you know Jalen Smith misses this game and it opens up Taylor and makes Batadze look a little bit better
0: yeah and once again, a lot of variables in this situation. Goga, if he, if he ends up starting, he could easily end up playing north of 30 minutes and be one of the better plays on the slate. He's a little more expensive on FanDuel than he is on DK, so more of a DraftKings-specific play, especially if we could roster mul- multiple centers on, on DK. Uh, somebody else to talk about here, Justin Anderson, who, for whatever reason, our audience does not like Justin Anderson. The other day we were talking about him and people were furious. We brought him up. We went out. Was he good from a real life perspective? No, he made 30% of his shots, but he was min price and scored 33 fantasy points. I assume he starts and plays big minutes again. Are you on the same page? No. You don't think Justin Anderson will uh, play big minutes again? Not if Brogdon's back. Um, even becomes a let me think about the, I, I have him projected for over 30 minutes right now. So we would go, even if he comes off the bench though, like who do you think some of the other, Oh, you know, I didn't give enough minutes to is Terry Taylor. Who do you think is ahead of the rotation? Terry Taylor, or Justin Anderson.
1: Uh, probably similar. I mean, I, like if, if Brogdon Halliburton, like if they don't rest guys, I think the starting lineup is Halliburton, Brogdon, Brissette, uh, or healed Brissett Goga, um, if Jalen Smith's in, Jalen Smith's the backup center. Terry Taylor probably plays some backup four, and then you're just getting like the backup guard slash wing minutes or guard slash three minutes for a combination of Washington Stevenson and Anderson.
0: Yeah, they've played Anderson so many minutes. I'll see if if Batade and Jalen Smith are out. I just I definitely assume he he plays a lot. Even so though, I still think someone's going to take shots on in large field tournaments. What's his ownership at right uh, now? Yeah, if,
1: if if unless we get guys out, I am not touching Justin Anderson.
0: Let me check. Justin Anderson. He's projected for point one percent ownership. I'm still going to. Just because I know that people don't like him. I
1: mean, That's he's the, horrible.
0: Yeah, he's not good. But for whatever reason, the Pacers are playing him a lot of minutes. I know a lot of guys have been out, but they're still playing him ahead of other guys. Well, let's let's do this situation, Justin Anderson. St- uh, starts, Goga and or Jalen Smith are out. What would you? View, how would you view him at a four K price point? Just in that situation, for, if we're assuming like around thirty minutes for him,
1: still pretty shitty.
0: Okay, we might be on different sides of Justin Anderson here. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm. I think I'm pot committed to Justin Anderson. I think he me. is
1: very, very bad. It was painful for me to, for me to play him at three K. <laughs>
0: hey, he came through. In- I, I like I
1: he was uh, in the so in the $2,000 DraftKings tournament that day. um, He wasn't in like my top lineup that I was going to use, but it had like Ananobi in it. And I didn't trust Ananobi's first game back. So I played my second lineup, which did have Justin Anderson in it. And then I saw he was 93% owned and I just like wanted to hang myself, but obviously it worked out. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, he's like, I think he's like a 0.75, give or take, fantasy point per minute guy. If he plays 30 minutes at 4K, I I still think I can find better options.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's also- I don't think he's playing
1: 30 minutes unless like multiple guys are out
0: yeah i mean that's also reasonable there's a lot of players on the injury report and there's a pretty good chance that other guys will end up looking better over the course of the day uh anything else to add from the indiana pacers
1: no uh, just the team you know definitely pay attention to injury news at least this is a seven thirty game so not the first game of the night but we should have news and they've been pretty good recently um other than you know just never listing jalen smith on the injury report and <laughs> rolling him out
0: yeah uh, or he's been he's been sick for a while and was it him or who is the headache? Is it Jalen Head- Smith? With- the headache
1: is Isaiah Jackson. The oh, illness okay. is Jalen
0: Smith. Two of the same, as far as far as I'm the, concerned. The headache
1: could be caused by an illness, though, and yeah. then
0: they both have an <laughs> illness. I don't know. Uh, so here's somebody on Toronto side that I think I'll be able to talk you into. Oji Ananobi is very underpriced right now relative to what we saw from him earlier in the season, and he his first game back from an extended absence. He played 26 minutes. So it wasn't the massive minutes that we saw from OG Ananobi. But I think there is potential, especially considering the way Nick Nurse runs his rotations, that we start to see bigger minutes from Ananobi. He's he's not a cash game play because I, I just don't know exactly what those minutes are going to look like. But he's 5,500 with modest, with modest ownership over on uh, on on DK. And then on Fandley's 5,600, picking up single-digit ownership. Uh, do you think we could potentially see him get back to a full allotment of minutes today?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, I mean, it, it, like it, its I don't think you can just like project 36 or 38 minutes given that he did only play 26 and a half last game, but it also wasn't a lower body injury, and it is Nick Nurse. Um, I, I think there's a good chance you get at least like 30 to 32 from him. So I, I am with you where I don't think he's like a priority. I certainly wouldn't play him in cash, but at 5,500, if he does top 30 minutes in a good spot against Indiana, um, I, I do have some interest there.
0: And then as for the rest of the team, we have to talk about Gary Trent being listed as questionable. I don't view either of Pascal Siakam or Fred Van Vliet as high priority plays, but if we get to a situation where there's a whole bunch of players that are ruled out on the slate, like 9,200 for Pascal Siakam, 8,700 for Fred Van Vliet on DK, those are both more than reasonable salaries. And then over on... FanDuel, we have Fred VanVleet at 7,800. That's a very favorable salary. And then Siakam is listed at 8,600. So both pretty underpriced on FanDuel, I think about appropriately priced on DraftKings. But given a positive matchup against the Indiana Pacers, the fact that Nick Nurse likes to play his guys a whole bunch of minutes, I assume that Fred VanVleet and Pascal Siakam, both guys will end up in like 15% of lineups or so.
1: Yeah, that's how I see it as well. They don't stand out as like, you know, crazy underpriced but they are still good options it is still a good matchup uh right now we have siakam projected for 16 percent ownership with a 14 uh chance of being optimal van vliet nine percent ownership eleven and a half percent chance of being optimal so they both look pretty good in that regard as well uh and then the the gary trent piece i think like if he's out you can certainly take some shots on a 5200 chris boucher who once again top 30 minutes last game um if trent is in then i don't have any interest in the non-starters
0: yeah, uh, and that's kind of been the case all season for Indiana. I mean, for Toronto anyway, is the starters play big minutes. The role players don't for a long time. You and I were both kind of like, maybe Thad Young will get big minutes. And it just never, ever happened for this team. Uh, let's move on to the next game, the Brooklyn Nets at the Miami Heat. And while this is a very good game on paper, at least on the Nets side, I'm struggling to find anybody I'm really dying to play for fantasy purposes. Andre Drummond, I guess there's always upside in him at that mid-range price point, but I think there's going to be better options today. And then in a pace down spot, I'm not in love with rostering Kyrie, who's been priced up today, or Kevin Durant. Do you see the Nets any differently?
1: No, I see them the same way. I think that like Kyrie and Durant are obviously still fine in tournaments because they have massive ceilings and I don't think anybody's really going to disagree with us. So they're going to be low owned. Um, you know, that they would just rather get to other options, but at the same time, I mean, there's just better payup options in terms of chances of success. Drummond's the only guy that I think kind of looks decent. Um, but even that, I mean, you're talking la- – la- last game he played 27, almost 28 minutes, but he still didn't step on the floor in the fourth. Um, you know, who knows how many minutes he ends up playing here. But there is still at least a ceiling for him at
0: 5,800. Yeah, I, I agree. There's a ceiling there. And obviously there's ceilings for Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant as well. But I think they're just better guys to look at on this slate. Miami's a fairly tough matchup. Uh, we'll also have to end up seeing what ends up happening with some of the Miami injury report because they've constantly had a whole bunch of guys listed as as questionable. The Nets seem like a team that should be really interesting. There's isn't that much talking points here. D- do you have anything else to add?
1: No. um I mean, and again, just to reiterate, like if you have a lineup that you really like and you have Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving, don't like change it. You know, th- they're always, playable. It's just that when you compare them to the alternatives, um, I would rather get to, you know, Giannis, Jokic, a lot of other guys.
0: Yeah. uh, That's, that's where I stand also. And for me, as I'm sure most of our audience knows by now, if Jokic is on a slate, he's almost always going to be my favorite payoff option player. I have projected for the most fantasy points and Kyrie and Duran are just expensive. I'm almost positive. This is the most expensive price point we've ever seen on Kyrie. And I know he's playing out of his mind right now. But I also tend to think a lot of that has been due to him only playing like once a week. And I don't think he's going to be able to keep up that, that level of efficiency that we've seen so far. Uh, guys, don't forget opening day baseball around the corner. We're only a couple of weeks away from the start of baseball season. I am pretty excited for baseball to start. And if you guys are looking to get access to our MLB tools, you could sign up using the promo code Trout and you'll save 25%. On uh, an MLB pass, and that's going to include everything: our our uh, top stacks tool for baseball, top pitchers tool, all stuff that I think is invaluable for building MLB DFS lineups. You could click the link in the video description below to activate this offer, or if you're signing up on the site, once again, it is promo code Trout T R O U T, like Mike Trout. All right, other side of this game, the Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler continues to be pretty underpriced. And we've seen the Miami Heat struggle a little bit recently. One of the rare times that we have not seen my uh, Jimmy Butler with an injury designation. We also have Tyler Hero listed as questionable. If he's out, that would mean a little bit more usage goes to Jimmy Butler. If we're talking about guys like in this 8K range, Butler is one of my favorite options. How about you?
1: Yep. I agree with you. Um, he's, he's somebody that normally I actually don't play that often, but I got to a good amount of him last night. And when I saw it, I was like, that's weird. I don't really want, I don't like that, but it worked out. Um, and it's just, I think a little bit of a mispricing here, given that it's a pretty good matchup against Brooklyn. Butler's likely to give you 35 to 37 minutes, uh, you know, well over a fantasy point per minute guy. If hero is out, then yeah, there is some more usage for him as well. Uh, and he's also a small forward eligible, which is just typically a relatively difficult position to fill.
0: Yeah. And uh, totally different position designations DK compared to FanDuel. So on FanDuel, he's 8K and has shooting guard eligibility, whereas on DraftKings, small forward, power forward, either way. I think he looks really good on both sides. FanDuel, he's almost impossible to avoid with shooting guard eligibility and just that 8K price tag. Uh, if Tyler Hero ends up getting ruled out beyond the usage that goes to Jimmy Butler, is there anybody else that you would like a lot more for Miami? Um, I mean,
1: maybe I fall for the Duncan Robinson trap again. like. Yeah. <laughs>
0: i i i'm so
1: upset with how much of him i played last night but um like he's he's horrible now but played 23 and a half minutes yesterday certainly if he's playing reasonably well has a path to more minutes if hero is out um but still that you want to pay a lot of attention to the ownership just because he's a one-dimensional fantasy player who's not very good at the one dimension so it's always somebody that has like no floor and playing him at high ownership like I did last night is typically just not a good spot to be in but um he would look better if he was out you know Caleb Martin would look better if he was out Kyle Lowry looks better if he was out uh, not to say that any of them become priorities but they do look just better than they otherwise would
0: not that it matters when players score their fantasy points, but did Duncan Robinson score all of his fantasy points in the first quarter last night?
1: I think so, because I saw how much Duncan Robinson I had, and I was just like, what am I doing? And then he started out hot, and I was just like, oh, cool, I'm going to be the fish that played Duncan Robinson at high ownership and gets like the huge Duncan Robinson game. And then he just never scored again.
0: Yeah, I didn't play a massive amount of Duncan Robinson, but he was in my single-entry lineup, my highest projected lineup had Duncan Robinson in it. And I was same page as you. I'm looking at the game like, oh, look, Duncan Robinson's off to a good start. This is gonna go well. He's so cheap. How could he fail when he scores 10 fantasy points in the first quarter 3,400? And then I look back later, I'm like, oh, he has not done anything other than miss a few shots ever since then. But I I do still think there's opportunity for upside there. He's just so reliant on making his threes because he's not delivering fantasy production.
1: Yeah, like Uh, the ownership on players like that in general is just huge because there is upside. He's underpriced for what he can do. But the issue is that he's so cheap that he just like his medium projection gets him into a lot of lineups, and so you end up getting a really popular guy who is completely dependent on sh- on making threes, isn't particularly good at making threes anymore because he got paid and decided he didn't care about making threes anymore. Um, so like the floor is just non-existent, and he ends up in so many lineups because people just you know click optimize and he shows up.
0: There Was uh, when he signed that big contract extension in the off season. He has, a, he has a podcast he does, and he did this bit where his 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 uh, podcast host was going around asking people what they thought of Duncan Robinson's $66 million contract extension or whatever the number is. And just it was like unanimous people being like, who is that guy? Why is he getting paid that much money? And then they would turn around and Duncan Robinson would be standing there. Uh, and all those people were right. That's the moral here is that after not only last night, but what he's done this year, they were all correct. He uh, appears to have been overpaid and has lost the ability to – shoot the basketball at the same, at the same, uh, same caliber. And, anything yeah. else uh, from Miami Heat as a talking point? The thing that I find hilarious is that same time
1: that Duncan Robinson was getting the extension, the debate was like, would you rather have Duncan Robinson or Davis Bertons? Like on, on you know, and they both got, got big contracts, but it was like, which one would you rather have? And I think the like, unanimous answer was Robinson. But like, I don't, I, I think the answer was just neither one.
0: Yeah. I, the answer is probably still Robinson, but more yeah. specifically, yeah, the answer is neither. I don't want either of them on a big contract extension. And uh, yeah, those are two of the worst contracts in the NBA uh, taking, a, you know, and then there's, you know, the, the John Walls, the Russell Westbrooks and, and all that. But the difference is, you know, those guys are just kind of old or John Walls been injured. These guys just suck. Like they're still in their prime they of just their careers, horrible, like overnight yeah they're still they're still young they should be in the prime of their careers and they're just not good basketball players anymore so uh hard to know what ended up happening there let's go on to the next game milwaukee bucks on the road against the memphis grizzlies what do we even say about the milwaukee bucks at this point Giannis is listed as questionable there's not a whole lot of incentive to play him at this point in the year i don't think i don't think milwaukee cares that much whether the one seed the two seed or the three seed i'm sure they think that they're going to roll through whoever they play in the playoffs and they're not too concerned, like, oh, my God, are we going to play the Bulls? Are we going to play the Cavs in the first round? If Giannis isn't totally healthy, he's probably not going to play. If he's in, though, do you expect him to get a full allotment of minutes? If
1: he's in, I'm treating him like he's good to go. I don't think that, like, it would be weird for them to be like, oh, your knee's bothering you a little bit, so let's just play you 28 minutes. Like, they're either just going to be like, your knee's bothering you, you're not playing, or they're going to be like, you're good, go play. Uh, so if, if he's in, I'm treating him like one of the best plays on the slate.
0: Yeah, I think that's a reasonable way to look at it. Uh, And then let's let's talk about if he's out. We've got Drew Holiday now out, but Chris Middleton is in. Middleton has been priced up uh, a little bit. He's $8,700 over on DK, on FanDuel. We have Chris Middleton priced at... $7,700. That's a very cheap price point if there was to be no Giannis. What would you make of Middleton at $8,700 on DK? Assuming the $7,700 is just a slam dunk on FanDuel. $8,700 for him on DK without Giannis and Drew. What would you be doing with that salary?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, the 7,700 is is an easy play, but even DraftKings, uh, Middleton's played 349 minutes without Giannis or Holiday on the floor this year, 39.5% usage rate and a 39% assist percentage, 1.45 DraftKings points per minute, 1.38 FanDuel points per minute. Obviously, at 8,700, there's going to be more potential pivots and there's a higher risk of failure just because he's relatively expensive, but he's still going to project as one of the best plays on the slate if Giannis is out.
0: Yeah, I think, especially given those numbers with those guys off the court, and then that there is no Drew Holiday, it would be hard to to get away from Chris Middleton. But now knowing that Drew Holiday is not going to be playing today, are there any value plays, George Hill, or anybody else that you like to look at if we were to have uh, Giannis in, even uh, just because we know that Drew is out?
1: So, I mean, you would be looking at, I think, increased per minute production for Bobby Portis. If Giannis is out, he's at 1.18 DraftKings points per minute. Started last game alongside Lopez, played about 29 minutes. Brooke Lopez played 28 minutes last game, so good to see his minutes ramping up. He's 4,700, you know, looks decent, but, you know, probably a little bit better if Giannis is out. Pat Connaughton at 4,500 is okay. Allen's okay. Uh, George Hill, you know, certainly could play a bit more, so could Javon Carter. I don't feel super confident in in either guy. Um, the, the, the issue with Milwaukee and going like down their bench, even if Giannis is out is they just have so many sort of interchangeable pieces right now. Like basically you can look at last game and get a blueprint of what this game would probably look like if Giannis sits and you just replace Drew Holiday with Middleton, um, like Ibaka played 16 minutes. Hill played 23, Connaughton played 22, Carter played 13, Wara played 18. None of those guys are looking super appealing at those minutes. Uh, Wesley Matthews played 27, um, which is like 27 short of what he would need to play for me to want to roster him.
0: Yeah, and then uh, let's talk about Jordan Nuora here just because I see Art bringing it up in the chat, not to single him out or anything, but we've seen a lot of slates, well, not a lot of slates recently, but in times that Giannis has been out, people are dying to roster Jordan Nuora. People love Jordan Nuora. People love to play Jordan Nuora. The minutes are not going to be there for him in all likelihood like Giannis was out last game and Nora played 18 minutes. I would still think he plays around the same. If, if we're just swap, cause don't forget, Giannis was out last game. If he's out today, it's, it's this, it's just, we're swapping drew holiday and Chris Middleton. So I would think the rest of the rotations wouldn't be that wildly different. And also keep in mind, they limited the minutes of the starters. Last game, we got 32 minutes from drew. We got 29 minutes from Bobby Portis, 28 from Brooke Lopez. I don't think Lopez plays much more than that. But it's reasonable to think Middleton plays more than 32. It's reasonable to think that Bobby Portis could play more than 29. So I don't think there's all of a sudden like a 30-minute game coming from Jordan Wara.
1: Yeah, um, me neither. Like earlier in – if Wara were to start in place of Matthews, then sure, that's really good for his yeah. minutes. But assuming he doesn't just jump into the starting lineup, um, th- this is just a different situation. Like earlier in the year, it used to be kind of plug-and-play Wara when these guys were out because they were also missing George Hill. Uh, you know, I don't remember if Connaughton was in or out at the time, but like Milwaukee was – more shorthanded off the bench now war is just like a random bench dude even when guys are out
0: yeah i'm gonna go through and find here's the injury the injury report the last time milwaukee played nuora uh well this was a really weird rotate oh because it was a blowout all right so we got blowout run in that game let's see this game against philly where he played 35 minutes there was no Brooke Lopez. There was no Pat Connaughton. There was no Grayson Allen. There was no George Hill. So it's just all these role players that are out for the team. They have so many guys they could give minutes to that. And for whatever reason, they decided Wesley Matthews is worth playing 30 minutes. It's too many It's too many mouths to feed for playing time for me to really get behind Jordan. Warp. Obviously, different situation if he starts.
1: Yeah, if he, if he starts, it's just you know a huge bump to his minutes projection. But uh, there's nothing suggesting he's going to randomly start. And... There's nothing suggesting that he's, for some reason, going to like have a different role tonight than normal.
0: All right, let's talk about the Memphis Grizzlies side of the game now. There is no Killian Tilly, no Brandon Clark, and, of course, the biggest news, no Ja Moran. It looks like he's going to miss most of the remainder of the regular season. He's expected to be ready for the playoffs, but does become a little bit dicey of a situation for Memphis with this extended injury for, for Morant. Can't feel totally comfortable with that heading into the playoffs. They're going to have Dylan Brooks coming back from the injury report, Tyus Jones, who... What does Tyus Jones have to do to get priced up at this point?
1: I have no idea, but it's kind of frustrating, and I wish they would hurry up and do it. Um, it's... Yeah. I mean, he's going to play 30-plus minutes. He's a 0.9 fantasy point-per-minute guy, 0.85, I think, when he shares the floor with Jackson and uh, and Brooks. He's still mispriced, so uh, he's another one that should just be getting a lot of ownership. Yeah, it's a little easier for him to fail now than it was when he was forty two hundred or whatever, but um, still underpriced. Still looks like one of the best values.
0: Fifty one hundred on DK, fifty three hundred on FanDuel. Neither site is apparently aware that John Moran <laughs> is out and that Tyus Jones is starting at point guard and should be priced up. Uh, here was a miss for me last late. Desmond Bain, I was underweight to the field on him. I was just like, "Hey, Desmond Bain was seventy five hundred on on Fanduel, seventy one hundred on DK." I thought there was better mid range price points. In hindsight, apparently there wasn't because Desmond Bain, I, I got lucky on that slate because he had like thirty four and four or something like that and barely had to play because the game was so one sided. He is now seventy eight hundred dollars on DraftKings and Bain is seventy eight hundred, so seventy eight hundred on both sites. Uh, do you think he's still worth going to? Because I just don't think there's that much upside in Desmond Bain when he's nearly $8,000.
1: I mean, I think he's still okay in tournaments because he's not going to get a lot of ownership. I think the price is just pretty much correct. Uh, He's played 15 games now this season where John Morant has been out and then all of Jackson, Brooks, and Bain have been in. In those 15 games, 1.19 DraftKings points per minute, 23.5% usage rate, 17.5% assist percentage, averaging 29 minutes per game. Uh, if this game's competitive, you know, obviously you probably get a couple more minutes from him there. So the price tag has adjusted. I still think that he's capable of exceeding it, but I think the most likely outcome is that you're not particularly happy with what Bain gives you at that price.
0: Yeah, and then as for the rest of the players on this team, uh, here's something else also. What is the current ownership on Jaron Jackson Jr.? He's $6,500 on FanDuel and projected for 11% ownership. That is ridiculous to me. FanDuel at 7,400, he's projected for 2% ownership. Jaron Jackson Jr. sees a big usage increase with John Moran off the court. Now I know we have the foul issues and I know that the minutes are not super secure for Triple J give me more than 1% of him. And certainly at 6,500 on FanDuel, I don't really understand how he isn't chalk.
1: Yeah, I really like that FanDuel price. And on DraftKings, I think Jackson's very similar to Bain, where I think 7,400 is where his price tag should be, if not a little bit high. But there's still a massive ceiling. Because the thing with this team is that when you take out John Morant and you replace him with Tyus Jones, Tyus Jones picks up you know, a lot of the facilitating, a lot of the playmaking, but he's a low usage guy. So like on average, you're going to get that usage distributed to Bain, Jackson, and Brooks. But in any given game, one of those guys can just absolutely take over. You know, they don't have to contend with John Morant calling his own number. Tyus Jones isn't going to do it himself. So within any one game, you can just get a massive game from those guys, and it does give them Morant being out. Uh, in addition to increasing their median projection, does just give them you know a, a bit higher ceiling. So at low ownership, Jackson does give you a real you know a lot of upside, but he's also not a priority just because the price tag is pretty much correct. I, uh, in the games he's played this year um, without Morant with Brooks and Bain, 1.27 DraftKings points per minute for, for Jackson. One guy who I do think is mispriced here is Dylan Brooks, who sat out last game, but he'll be back today. 1.06 DraftKings points per minute, 28.6% usage rate. Uh, In those 15 games, he played 33 minutes two games ago. And I think it was you and I had talked before about it had kind of seemed like Brooks was on a minutes restriction, but really it was just uh, most likely fouls and blowouts. So then he plays 33 minutes. He rests. There's no reason to think he's not playing 30 plus minutes tonight, um, barring foul trouble or a blowout at over a fantasy point per minute at only $5,800.
0: And then the rest of this team, what are you making of it? Because, you know, D. Anthony Melton coming off the bench, guys like Steven Adams, Kyle Anderson could potentially play extended minutes. Anything else stand out to you?
1: Not really. Um, Brandon Clark is still out, so like maybe Steven Adams plays a little bit more. But he's also up to $6,600. Xavier Tillman's 3300 I mean, he probably plays like 18 minutes or something. I assume we can find better options on this slate. So uh, to me, the priorities are Jones and Brooks. Then the next tier is like Bain, Jackson,
0: and then Steven Adams all right three games left but first fantasy sports fans what if you caught a break with the potential to net a couple hundred thousand dollars with less than a hundred dollar investment we have great news because breaksofgod.com is a place to catch that break breaks of god is the latest sports card collecting trend to catch fire in america it's how sports card collectors are building high value card collections without huge investment or risk it's quickly become a popular and economical way for sports fans to get valuable and rare cards without having to buy massively expensive boxes and this is uh, all free. When uh, this is out of order. <laughs> all right. Well, I copied and pasted the uh, the ad read wrong, but. All of the cards are broken from sealed premium boxes live on Instagram, and the cards are shipped directly to you for free when the live stream is over. Slots are limited, so act fast. To learn more about how you can hit big money cards and get 30% off your first break, click the link in the video description below and go to breaksofgod.com forward slash 830. That is breaksofgod.com forward slash 830. Get 30% off your first break. Also, follow them on Instagram at breaksofgod. All right, three more games to talk about. Next one, the Chicago Bulls. And we're getting players back here for Chicago. DeMar DeRozan, he is going to be back in the mix after missing last game. With Vooch, DeRozan, Levine, Caruso, all healthy now. I think that you could make a case to have, you know, these guys' as one-offs here and there. None of them are real priority plays, and it is a fairly tough matchup against Cleveland. So Chicago, not a team I'm really dying to play. If I had to roster one, Vooch is my favorite.
1: Yeah, that's how I see it as well. I think that the pricing on all three of... The Rosen Vooch and Levine is pretty fair. they're not overpriced like they were a couple of weeks ago when you were paying like ten k for the Rosen and Vooch, but they still like like for example, the Rosen is two hundred dollars more expensive than chris Middleton um if Giannis sits, the Rosen makes for like a guy that you can get at a lot lower ownership, but Middleton's still clearly the you know preferred option uh Van Vliet's at this price point, Siakam's at this price point. There's just going to be a lot of guys that look pretty similar here. Um, I agree with you, Vooch is the most appealing of the group. In the games that they've played together this year without Lonzo, the Rosen's at 1.22 DraftKings points per minute and 37 minutes per game. Vooch is at 1.27 DraftKings points per minute and 33 and a half minutes per game. And Levine, 1.14 DraftKings points per minute in 36 minutes per game. So um, I, I think you know they all kind of look pretty similar, but slight edge to Vooch just given that he's the cheapest.
0: Yeah, and I will say this also, Vooch is much different looking on FanDuel than he is on DraftKings, because on FanDuel, Vooch is only 7,100, so I think we should talk about him FanDuel specifically, because how do you feel about him on FanDuel compared to DK when he's 71 on FanDuel? Absolutely ridiculous price, tag. Yeah, he was in the 6k range for a little while, and I'm not sure why, especially when players started to get ruled out, so... Different to look at him there versus where he's appropriately priced on DraftKings. Yeah,
1: I mean the one thing with FanDuel, since you can only roster the one center, you can kind of just like slash center salaries and it. And like the opportunity cost is still so high that you have to make decisions. For example, right now we have Vooch projected for twenty one percent ownership, but only a thirteen percent chance of being optimal. So a very very good play, but the opportunity cost does at least make it so like like if you were seventy one hundred on DraftKings, you're just playing him in like every lineup.
0: Yeah, uh, I totally agree with that. And for FanDuel. It's him and him and Jokic are the two best center plays, in my opinion. We'll be talking about Jokic in a little bit. But first, let's hit on the Cleveland side of this game. We saw Kevin Love move into the starting lineup last game. And I guess there's a pretty good chance that happens again. It's the end of the season. We have the Cavs in a situation where they're trying to avoid being in the playing game, something that's become a reality for them now, something that they're up against, especially a team like the Chicago Bulls, who so they're close to in the standings. So do you think Kevin Love starts again? And if he does, how does that affect the rest of the team? For now, I'm assuming
1: he starts. Um, Like you said, this is another, you know, Eastern Conference contender. I'm guessing he starts. And if he does, he probably plays 30 to 32 minutes. It makes him look very, very good at 6,500. If he goes back to the bench, I think you can just ignore him. Um, It does make me like Evan Mobley a bit less because Love's a better rebounder than Lamar Stevens. Um, it makes me like Garland a little bit less because Love is higher usage than Lamar Stevens, although last game, Lamar Stevens was a high usage guy as well for whatever reason. Um, but basically, if Love starts, I think he looks very good at 6,500. I think in tournaments, you can still get to guys like Garland, Mobley, Marketing, but um, they're, all, they're all relatively expensive. They're not priorities. If Love comes, comes off the bench, he doesn't look particularly good, but it doesn't move the needle enough on Garland and Mobley for me to like, prioritize them either it makes them look a little bit better but still just sort of secondary options
0: out of box digital 150 likes and greg has to shave his head 15 million (laughs) likes and i'm not shaving my head there's 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 also there's no legally binding agreement to people saying random things in youtube chat with that said like the video and subscribe to the youtube channel uh i just heard you agree yeah I'm, I'm not going to be shaving my head, especially, especially not for like 150 likes is a lock. Right by the time, by the time the show comes around, by the time the slate starts, we'll be way over that, and I'm not going to have a shaved head. We could always find other things. Here's here's what I'll say: uh, uh, ten likes, and Eric Linquist has to shave his eyebrows again. <laughs> it's, it's 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 a it's a tough bar there, but that's uh, that's where we're laying down. Uh, Darius Garland's become really expensive now. He is 10-2. Over on DK, on FanDuel, Garland is 9-4, a little bit more reasonable of a price tag. Once again, though, if Kevin Love moves into the starting lineup, it's less usage for everybody else, and it does seem like that's what they're committed to. Just not a priority team to get to the Cavs.
1: Yeah, I mean, Garland's one of these guys where like, yeah, it, like, it wouldn't shock you if he goes and gets 55 or 60, but you're clearly paying for it at this price. And there's a lot of guys that you can get to that are just more favorably priced. Um, that being said, the way DFS works, uh, Garland was in my main high stakes lineup last game. He had like the worst game he's had in two months. I'm sure that means
0: he's scoring 70 today. All right, let's move on to the Oklahoma City Thunder where Shy Gilgis Alexander is listed as questionable. In addition, Derek Favors is out, Lou Dort is out, Mike Muscala is out, Kenrish Williams is out, Josh Giddy is out. Somebody asked about him in chat earlier. I don't think Giddy's playing again this season. Ty Jerome is out. Jeremiah Robinson Earl is out. If SGA is out in addition to all of these other names, where do we see the usage and the increased playing time go to? So you should, if SGA
1: is out, you should get more Trey, man. Uh, it makes Baisley and Pogoshevsky look a little bit better, but the thing to keep in mind and I mentioned this before, so I don't think this is as I don't think this is the same as the Orlando game because they actively like also did not want to lose to Orlando or to beat Orlando rather. Um, you know, if they beat Denver, it's bad for them, but it's not doubly bad like beating Orlando is. Um, but you do still have to just deal with the chance that they just run a pretty flat rotation and you don't get more than 30 minutes for anybody. So um, if SGA is out, it makes Man, Baisley, Pokashevsky, Teo Maladon all look better. It's still pretty dangerous to trust any of them i think though
0: and then if sga ends up playing where would he look relative to the other pay-up options on the slate
1: i think he'd look pretty good like i would expect him to be playing 34 35 minutes uh he's 10k flat he's around one and a half fantasy points per minute without giddy I, like I, I think i would get to him before i got to garland um i think the, the, the issue is that like there's guys that are you know around 8K or 9K that I like. Um, And then I think still, like, Giannis, if he plays, and Jokic are more underpriced than SGA would be. So um, I wouldn't have an issue playing SGA. I still don't think he'd be a true priority for me.
0: Yeah, so, like, if somebody like Tyler Hero is out, I, I assume I'd have a pretty comparable projection on Jimmy Butler and SGA. I haven't thought that much about it, but just kind of backing what you said before, there's a lot of guys in that 8K range that I don't view that much differently than SGA that are just cheaper that I'd rather get to.
1: Yeah, agreed. I'm kind of laughing, not that I, not that I even disagree with chat, but I'm laughing because we're already doing the, uh, you know, Denver blows out OKC, blah, blah, blah. The last time we did this, OKC flat out beat them,
0: (laughs) which could happen again. But at the very least, as we talk about some of these guys on Denver, in general, I don't really love rostering a lot of Denver players other than Nikola Jokic. And let's say Denver wins this game by 40 points. Jokic might have a triple double at halftime, right? So I'm not going to be too concerned. I have Jokic projected for so many more fantasy points than everybody else on this slate, which is always the case for me when there's Jokic slates. And it's just a really easy matchup for him against OKC. Now, if, if we do have Giannis playing and there is no and there's no Drew Holiday for them today, then yeah, I, I do think that Giannis is another viable payup option. And Based on the amount of guys that end up on the injury report at this time of year, we might be able to build lineups with Giannis and Jokic in them for all we know. That seems like it could be a potential likely scenario when we've got like 30 names listed as questionable right now. But if you could only pay up for one guy today, Adam, would it be Jokic?
1: I think it's close between him and Giannis if Giannis plays just because you can roster Giannis at weaker positions opportunity cost wise. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's really close between them. And if Giannis is out, Jokic, it's kind of the same situation we had on Thursday where Jokic just ends up being like the very, very, very clear highest projected guy. Obviously, it didn't work out on Thursday. He did get a lot of ownership, but um, he would, you know, just obviously be the top payup guy.
0: And then how about the rest of the players on this team? Because in general, it's not like we see a whole bunch of good games with regularity from Aaron Gordon. Will Barton, Bones Highland has had some big games off the bench at a time, but it's kind of hard to trust him at this price point when he's still only playing, you know, low twenties minutes, most games, but outside of Jokic, does anything really stand out to you from this team?
1: No, not at their prices. I, I do think it's noteworthy that Bones Highland closed the last game in place of Jeff Green. The reason I think that's noteworthy is that he was in the closing lineup alongside Monte Morris and Barton. So that's, re- that, that's a reason to be bullish on his minutes going forward. This is someone that, um, you know, I think people have thought Malone should be giving more minutes to for a while and kind of hasn't. Uh, so if he's going to start being comfortable and again, you know, no guarantee that carries over, but if he's going to start being comfortable with him being out there with multiple other guards, then it's going to start making the minutes projections for Highland look a little bit better, but at 5,200 kind of already priced to be playing like 26 minutes. So, uh, me saying, oh, maybe he can start playing 26 minutes. Isn't really a ringing endorsement. Um, Boogie is fine. Uh, so I think it was said that he liked playing boogie and Jokic together. I'm not doing that, but individually, like in lineups where you don't have Jokic cousins does give you a ceiling because if for one reason or another, Jokic loses a few minutes and cousins gets a few, I mean, he can go absolutely nuclear against. OKC.
0: yeah, I wouldn't, this might be a game where we get like 18 minutes and 35 fantasy points for DeMarcus right. cousins off the bench. It's within the realm of possibilities, particularly if there's garbage time, and there's blowout, uh, any other talking points from this game for you? Nope. All right, final game on the slate, the absolute bane of my existence, because not only do we have these two just absolute garbage teams that are absolutely not going to want to win this game because of because of, uh, ping-pong ball reasons between the Houston Rockets and the Portland Trailblazers, it also starts an hour later than any other game. So I would not be surprised if there's weird starting lines, if so there's players rested or ruled out, and we might not find this out until after all the other games lock, and there's just going to be nowhere to pivot. So with that in mind, Houston Rockets – They don't have anybody on the injury report as of now. Eric Gordon probably isn't going to be playing in this game. But outside of him, Christian Wood isn't on the injury report. Kevin Porter Jr. All of those guys appear good to go. What do you like from the Houston side, if anything?
1: Kevin Porter Jr. at 6,200, I think, looks like the best option here. Um, Just assuming he's going to give you like 32 minutes or so. Good price tag, good matchup, all of that. Christian Wood in tournaments, I think looks good. You know, like he's a hundred dollars more than Vooch. I think Vooch gets more ownership. I think, you know, obviously you're going to see a lot of ownership going to somebody like Jokic, but Christian Wood does give you just a massive, massive ceiling in the spot. So I like that in tournaments. I don't mind uh, taking some shots at, shots at Shangun in tournaments, but he is, I think, overpriced. So it's just a spot where you're hoping for one reason or another, he plays 25, 26 minutes at at you know Wood's expense. So even though they're playing alongside each other, some I still don't want to play Wood and Shangun together. Um, Garrison Matthews would be my guess at who starts in place of Eric Gordon. He's thirty two hundred, so you know decent. Like he's a Duncan Robinson pivot, I guess. But um, yeah, I think Kevin Porter is the one that really stands out to me, followed by Christian Wood.
0: All right, now let's sit on this Portland side. I don't. I don't even know what we say about this team right now because Josh Hart and Justice Winslow are both listed as questionable. If they both play. I don't really think there's that much of interest in this team, but it's hard for me to think they're going to want to play Josh Hart and Justice Winslow for, for what point? I would be very confused.
1: If those guys played,
0: why even risk winning a game? Why risk it? Yeah. I I,
1: I don't know what to do with this team. If if those guys are in Josh Hart looks good at 8,100. Everything else kind of just looks like garbage because they're priced for Hart to be out, but Hart just is going to do everything. Um, If we assume that Hart and Winslow are out, then I still kinda don't know what to do because like <laughs> yesterday they started Keon Johnson in the first half. They started Blevins in the second half. Uh, you know, Dunn still Dunn played 20 minutes off the bench, 19 minutes off the bench. I still don't really know what to do with this team at rising price tags. Like if you want to gamble on some forty seven hundred dollar LB or six or seven K Williams or sixty six hundred dollar Ubanks, like fine. It's a good matchup It's a spot that should have a lot of fantasy points, but all of these price tags are coming up at a time where there's a lot of uncertainty around what the hell Portland's rotation is going to look like.
0: Yeah. And then what would you make of, let's say Josh Hart is out, but just as Winslow plays, because I do kind of think Winslow a little more likely to play than Hart. I would have interest in Winslow in that situation, because I think he could start and get his minutes back and there would just be all of the usage going to him that he could handle. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but it's still, like, he's 6K, and what's he going to play, like, 30 minutes?
0: Yeah, probably something like that.
1: I mean, yeah, it's a spot where, like, it wouldn't be surprising if Winslow had a good game, but I just don't... Like, I'd rather go to, like, I don't know, Harrison Barnes off the top of my head and plenty of other guys.
0: Yeah, fair, and I mean, I would love a situation where this team is just irrelevant and we don't have to give a shit about them, which there, there is a possibility that happens. I also don't want it to be a thing where it's like, Oh, look, this leak got ruined because Chris Dunn is back in the starting line and playing 32 minutes.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, yeah, even Dunn at 4,600, like if he plays 24 minutes one way or the other, he looks okay. But if he plays 20, you don't want to, if he plays 28, you're going to need him. So yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what to do with this team.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, Hopefully, we could just not really get exposure to them with any kind of regularity and nobody has a good game, and we don't have to worry about it. Uh, any other any other overarching thoughts or talking points for you on this slate? If not, we're, we're done here.
1: Uh, somebody should start a petition for DraftKings and FanDuel to just, like, whenever you get late Portland games, just exclude them.
0: Yeah, or just any games of these terrible teams in the league. Anybody who's been eliminated from the playoffs already, <laughs> not on slates anymore. We don't need them. We don't need them. What do we, we – only if two teams that are both – eliminated from the playoffs are playing each other at this point in the season, we could take that game off the slate. They're not trying to win. We don't want anything to do with them. It would be helpful for all of us. Guys, thank you very much for watching. Like the video. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Like this video at least 10 times so Eric has to shave his eyebrows. Legally binding agreement. Also, check out the Deeper Dive live before lock later. Have a good day.